You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, Nonplus listeners. This week's sponsor is the OG nerd subscription box, Loot Crate. We love Loot Crate. We've got art, collectibles, and t-shirts from our own subscription adorning our shelves at this very moment. Why did you put t-shirts on a shelf? Well, I... I didn't. It's just, it's for the ad. We've got Loot Crate stuff, you know, decor. It would be weird to have t-shirts on a shelf. Yes, it would, but you could put it in a frame or if it's signed, you might shadow box it with other stuff. Loot Crate is the monthly subscription service that partners with entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture brands to deliver themed crates right to your little geeky hands. Choose from a ton of different crates from specific franchises like Marvel or general themes like anime, gaming, sci-fi, and more. Best part, they offer local shipping in a ton of different countries. So geeks around the world rejoice. To get 15% off your first Loot Crate order, you've got to use our very special link in the episode description. And when you're ready to purchase, use code NONPLUSSED and snag that discount. Use it for a gift. Use it for a subscription. Just don't use it late for dinner. What? Click the link in the episode description and use the code NONPLUSSED at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. I'll geek to that. And one from Mahler. We've brought something of a leprechaun on uh, <laughs> to this episode. Our old lady upstairs, Patrick, is going to be listening in and helping us out a little bit. So you may not hear him, but say hello to Patrick. One, two, three. Hello, Patrick. Thank you all for saying hello to Patrick for us. Wow, we just we got ourselves into a doozy. Yeah, this was <laughs> rough. <laughs> Tis the season and hoity toity toity. But I'll tell you right now, if we had any Irish fans before this episode, we're about to lose them. Plus, a gay rom through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy. Oh, over there is my husband, Josh. And this is Non Plus, a mischief media podcast. We are back with you with an oddly seasonal episode. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. It's not like there's a lot of St. Patrick's Day movies in general, much less on this platform. No, I mean... The one that we've picked today is very much a testament to that. It, it, and again, it's got some, let's call it old world charm, shall we? Yeah. Um, but before we get into all that, we've got a few housekeeping things. As always, Mischief Merch has got new stuff a poppin'. There is a Demon Barber face mask. That's your Sweeney Todd themed face mask. Very cute. For those of you who are still masking up like the smart intelligent wonderful beautiful people you are we also have a trick arrow throw blanket that is themed off of the new hawkeye series a black widow embroidered patch and a wanda's hex headband those are all new and again the marvel themed stuff use code nonplus 10 get 10 percent off your order yes um or ten dollars i still we should clarify you get 10 (laughs) off of your order 10 off of your order but also worth noting you don't get the discount on these comma but um, the featured collection right now is Broadway Con because we're bringing Broadway Con back this summer. Mischief is bringing Broadway Con back this summer. Yeah. Tried to do it at the beginning of the year. Omicron, Percy, I ate gloom and doom, whatever. We're trying to get in this much. summer. But you can prepare for your trip to Broadway Con with some festive new gear, including a tank top, this commemorative badge and lanyard and an enamel pin. All that and more. Where, Clancy? 
Oh, at mischiefmerch.com. Absolutely, at mischiefmerch.com. What else before we get started? Moon Knight had a new poster. Um, it's it's TikTok ticking down. Yeah. Um, that's coming soon. We're getting real close. Uh, the Netflix Marvel shows that's been confirmed are going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. So the, that's exciting. Also, the Muppets Band is going to be getting its own television show on Disney Plus. Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. The house band of the Muppets for nigh so on 40 years, 40 plus years is getting their own Disney plus show. And I could not be more excited about it. You know, I, I don't know. I haven't read anything. We'll link something. I tell you right now, I haven't read a goddamn thing, but I hope it's a la like VH1's behind the music. Same. No, I or think like be- um, Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, I. The only sort of like thing there is they tried to do the Muppets, the office style, and they didn't really succeed with that very well. I think people wanted, look, the people wanted something. This is not an episode about the Muppets, but the strength of the Muppets is finding the voice of the zeitgeist. And they came to the single cam zeitgeist too late. Yes. ABC and Disney got there way too late because the office is already done. But I feel like, you know, uh, those sort of mockumentaries are making a resurgence so i feel like that's you know. well and that's partly due to the pandemic uh the office has said the reason the, the office is on so many platforms right now is because it's fucking booming because people oh, yeah. are watching it kids what's the matter with these kids today they're all watching the office kids they all repeat what michael scott says <laughs> um and that's dangerous because he's not very politically correct i'm not on tune anymore boop boop boop, boop. my god Look, I'm just trying to inject some entertainment uh, early on because we may not find it in this film. (laughs) Uh, And as always, our research comes from uh, Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and Box Office Mojo. Yes. And what (laughs) did we research on those various and sundry platforms today, Miss Clancy? Uh, Well, it was Darby O'Gill and the Little People. This film my goodness i feel like some folks may have lit up when they saw the title of this film in their feeds today because i do recall it being a disney channel regular in my youth there are scenes that resonated in the recesses of the abandoned well of my memory Mm -hmm. um from this um maybe i've just seen it in gifs or something who knows but Darby O'Gill existed somewhere in my brain, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen it all the way through I've because n- I tell you I'd have had nightmares. Yeah. Uh, first time ever hearing or seeing this movie. First time viewer, long time, uh, Disney plus watcher. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, it, this, this Josh had put this on the schedule and I just was sort of like, Look okay. One of the only <laughs> other like St. Patrick's Day movies for sure for sure but yeah and truly we only do this apparently for St. Patrick's Day Halloween and Christmas exactly so I mean we've done this to ourselves and here we are and here Uh, we are um so anyway this was released on June 24th 1959 in Dublin and then two days later in LA now this is common practice today um, but old lady Patrick slash our leprechaun friend pointed out that maybe this was a, a sad apology from Walt <laughs> Disney to, let, to, to put it out there two days early to just, help them feel a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, ahead of, um, ahead of everything. It's a neat, it's got a neat runtime of 93 minutes, yep. but as is the curse of the leprechaun, it feels three times that. 
Pretty um, much. <laughs> I kept checking. Was, have we only? Is it only been three? Oh goodness, we've been here. How has three hours passed? But this is only a ninety-minute movie. Yeah. Um, still was too long for what it was. Or too but, long. Yeah. Directed by Robert Stevenson, and uh, there's a shared writing credit because the film is actually based kind of like Mary Poppins on a collection of stories Got it. by author H.T. Kavanaugh, who actually, um, she, she started writing, she's a, she's a 19th century writer, um, ended her days in Chicago in the 30s. So oh. I guess that kind of makes sense because maybe it would have been in Walt Disney's brain kind of or general awareness. Yeah. But anyway, the screenplay is by Lawrence Edwin Watkin. Um, the cast, I'm going to do my best here. Uh, we'll, we'll tag team this. Albert Sherpay. As I think that's just sharp. Okay. Well, I was getting <laughs> fancy with it, but Albert Sharp as Darby O'Gill. Janet Monroe as Katie O'Gill. Sean Connery as Michael Bublé. Sorry, Michael McBride. Jimmy O'Day as King Brian. Kieran Moore as Pony Sagru. Estelle Winwood as Widow Sheila Sagru. Walter Fitzgerald as Lord Fitzpatrick. Dennis O'Day as Father Murphy. J.G. Devlin as Tom Kerrigan. Jack McGowan as Padraig Oog. Pharrell Pelly as Patty Scanlon. And Nora O'Mahony as Molly Malloy. Oof. <laughs> that was that was a lot. I'm sorry if we butchered any of them. Truly. Um, but it's also they're probably all dead. Wait. It, <laughs> <laughs> but people who speak Gaelic aren't all dead. Fair enough. What did I say? Not five minutes ago, I said we were going to lose all of our Irish listeners. Absolutely. And we are getting off to a rollicking start. Shall we just jump in? Let's do it. Gill, neglectful live-in caretaker of Lord Fitzpatrick's estate, lives with his young adult daughter Katie in the small Irish town of Rathcullen. Despite Lord Fitzpatrick's fondness for Darby, the Lord has decided to send the elderly man into retirement and replace him with the young Dubliner Michael McBride. Darby prevails upon Michael to hide the development from Katie for two weeks, inviting the handsome and handy Michael to live with them in the gatehouse until that time. Later that night, Darby is knocked into an abandoned well by a horse, whereupon he wakes to find himself lying in a cavern at the bottom, surrounded by leprechauns, including the becrowned leprechaun leader, King Brian. King Brian, having heard of Darby's plight, decided to give him a place to live with the minor caveat that Darby can never leave not Nishiga, the leprechaun home, again. So, my God, I forgot about front-loading all those titles. There, yeah, there's just so much that happens at the top. And like, there's even like a bit of the flashback to a time where, you know, it's setting up that, I mean, we don't even get there because old, old lady fucking Sugru yeah. is creeping about like the witch in Snow White. I half <laughs> expect her to bop through with an apple in the window. Right. And she's kind of, oh, you got some spare tea for me, honey. Come in, Mrs. Sugru. Katie, darling. Can you lend me the loan of a small pinch of tea? I'll pay you back Thursday. You can have it and welcome. I knew you wouldn't refuse, old Sheila, and I knew you'd have rations and leavings. But there's little that's lacking here. Unless it would be a man to cook for. Oh, you have me father to cook for. So you do, so you do. But I meant a man of your own. 
Time enough for that. Time enough lost the ducks. Bitch, buying your own fucking tea. Yeah, my my note here is gross old woman. This is just like she was. And to be clear, she's not gross because she's old. She's being gross. She is being gross. And intrusive and yeah. And it, honestly, she's she is. A, I think arguably one of the film's most predominant antagonists. Despite oh, she's the having villain for sure. So little, uh, yeah, screen time. So hidden in the opening credits, first of all, we've got this letter from old man Disney himself that says, yeah. my thanks to King Brian of Nakanishiga and his leprechauns, whose gracious cooperation made this picture possible. Walt Disney. That's cute. But, uh, it, we we would have been better served with an apology at the end. I think uh, the uh, early opening in Dublin seems to have been a bit of an apology. It, it sort of kind of feels disingenuous. A little bit, right? Yeah. It feels a bit like we're we're going to make fun of you. It's and then all good. instantly, here's this old Irish widow yeah. not minding her own business yeah. up in this little girl's tea, yeah. literally. Calling her son proud as a whitewashed pig as uh, Katie churns butter with that big, thick wooden churn in her hand. My God, it's the whole thing struck me as a little uh, nickel novelly, a little, um, you know, chick tracked, a little like, oh, yeah, don't be a sinner, young girl, as she's, you know, churning the yeah. butter and making it all frothy. <laughs> but God bless captions, because I have to wonder what Americans in the 50s thought of there's no way. There's no way. We, like, we couldn't have covered this without captions. And again, I'm not trying to offend anyone who speaks uh, with, with an Irish bro or anyone with accents in general. But they don't. Yeah, they don't take it easy on the audience in this one. No, they don't. And it's got all the colloquialisms that like uh, that, you know, Irish people say like it, it is it, it is like no holds barred Irish. I have to wonder if some of it was even potentially easier on american ears at the time it could be because you know they're normally they're used to this sort of talking uh i think that's the first time i've ever heard you do 1920s radio announcer <laughs> and i gotta say i quite like it um pony's a dickhead who's mad he didn't get cast in a spaghetti western because of his accent holy fuck this, this guy, guy likes, is he seriously looks like he walked off the back lot of red dead redemption the film absolutely <laughs> and and absolutely unlikable what great casting they did for this character because the moment i saw him i was like nah very that but also why is the king of the leprechaun named brian connors they said brian connors and i was like oh brian connors from westvale high yeah the one who was on the football team <laughs> got his girlfriend knocked up and they had to get a ged like what, what brian connors it couldn't be anything else and again i haven't read the source material it may yeah. well be brian connors and maybe that's just how imaginative this old Irish woman was in 1888 or whenever it was that she wrote these stories. But I, you lost, uh, if I wasn't lost before, you lost me at King of the Leprechaun, Brian Connors. Now I will say like we, they're Darby in the bar. Um, like Darby in the bar, spinning his yarn about the leprechauns. Basically. And then it has that like the Vaseline ripple effect back to like, what was Ladies it? The day before. Welcome to the stage. Vaseline ripple. Vaseline ripple. But yeah, they do it to go flashback while he's telling his story. Yeah, it just was one of those moments like, oh, right. That's and it becomes a disjointed, like it's all suddenly about this flashback, and there's no cutting back and forth. And no. I I was uh, afraid that we were going to tumble down into a movie about short stories. Yeah. Which I think it still effectively is, but it 
it holds together better than I would have expected at this point. I would have, which is not to say that I enjoyed this. I would have preferred it to been a vignette of him just sitting in the bar telling stories rather than what we got. But that's just me. But then we would have gotten more descriptions like a door full of woman, which honestly is a solid description of me and drag. I'd like a crock of gold like this for my good friend, Tom Kerrigan. And another one for that decent man, Pat Scanlon. And another one for that door full of a woman, Molly Malloy. Is that your fourth wish? It is. <laughs> Three wishes I'll grant you, great wishes are small. But you wish a fourth one and you lose them all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I he's he's the the jig that Brian danced when he tricked Darby in this flashback. Yeah, and the way they sped it up, I, uh, I is this what Kay feels like? Like it was just <laughs> the weirdest, spinniest. I could, and that's not even the worst of it. That's the best thing they do about getting your buy-in on is the weird, creepy visuals. Because let me tell you. I'm going to have nightmares from this film for weeks. (laughs) Credit to where credit is due. They did a really good job of making or forcing that perspective. Yes. And, and, you know, yeah, there was, there was split screen and nonsense that they were doing, but it was executed fairly well. Solid practical effects for the time. What is this priest doing at the bar in the middle of the day? He's coming in, getting free labor, effectively. Laughing at people talking about leprechauns, but then chastising them when they take it all too seriously. Exactly. But also, yes, saying, oh, your payment. This was the only point when, like, like, when I sided with Pony, when I was like, (laughs) yes, you should absolutely be paid for the labor that you are doing to go get a fucking bell from who knows God where and bring it all the way back with all the tools that you have. You should be compensated for it monetarily. The cultural counter argument to that is these are Irish and that's a Catholic priest asking you to do a favor for the church. Yeah. Which I think is uh, Darby's point initially and is certainly the point that the father is making. But then he does do that weird turn. My goodness me, a deed like that might even absolve a man from the sin of using the priest and the church against the powers of darkness for his own selfish ends. I'll do it, Father. I'll do it for nothing. No. As a reward... You may have the music of the bell. The music of the bell for me? Yes, and for your seed, breed, and generation till the end of time. It's a bargain, Father. He shakes a finger about all the leprechaun business, even though he's happily been laughing at the story, and then does this weird fucking prayer about uh, oh, your seed and your breed and your feed and your hey, little holy, 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 who. Now, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone, ladies and gentlemen, this is probably going to be a common theme where Josh is going to go. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum and just let your insensitive comments drive our Irish listeners away. (laughs) (laughs) As they should. All right. But uh, but this is this is the problem with this system of uh, economy and governance is um, Lord Fitzpatrick comes in. And can just say you're fired and I'm replacing you with a handsome Dubliner who's actually Scotch, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> That's right. Despite his name being Sean Connery, he is, in fact, a Scotsman. This is right. Um, there's evidence of that in the Avengers, not Marvel's The Avengers, 
but the 1990s the avengers with uma thurman and the guy from the kingsman yeah uma thurman's looking great in that movie and sean connery trying to control the weather all and it killed four, all forehead and yeah mm. <laughs> hey, point is uh katie seems alternately smitten and not with michael even as darby is wrestling with the concept of being evicted for this younger man yeah but also asking him to live with him it's a whole weird thing darby shakes out before he goes off in search of a horse and that's not a euphemism he's literally going off in search of a horse no i'll have to round up the horse now before she runs on over the mountainside i'll be glad to give you a hand i was just going to ask you to go the rounds of the manor house and try all the doors and the windows right so but after that i think i'll go down to the rathcullen arms and see about a room now why would you be doing that well i don't like to take hospitality under false pretenses and besides, two weeks from today, you must leave here. And I think your daughter should know. Oh, she will. She will. Well, then why did you let her believe I mean, I guess that's just what happens when you get old, is that, like, you know, m- maybe that's his sort of pension? Well, and that's what I'm saying. If they had better a better, you know, a representative democracy where they could vote for anti-ageism laws. For sure. Uh, Darby would could retire quietly and take a pension. That said... Rather he, than taking he, half he of his gonna... pay and getting evicted into a different house, which I guess... I mean, it's not the worst rap and it really is a plea to emotion. Like, well, Katie was born here. Yeah. And then you don't know it right now, but a banshee definitely, maybe definitely took her mother. Which, I mean, we'll get into that (laughs) later, but none of that was covered until it was happening. And my God, was it happening? (laughs) But I mean, our first sort of like, you know, dive into The the paranormal, the paranormal was the terror horse that pushes that pushes him into the well look i think you're being mean that's the only work the horse from wizard of oz could get after that movie (laughs) i guess that's true i mean you know once you have a skill for color changing it's like well what else do you do yeah got wizard of oz the touring productions thereof and then this movie shows up and you go "Ugh, i guess i'll work for disney Ah, there you (laughs) what do you think you're doing how about that do you want to break a leg Yeah, but I'm going to have nightmares about that fucking horse and the well and the two shitty little dudes who find Darby at the bottom (laughs) because those little fuckers were bouncing on him. The weird hair, the magic, all of it was just uh, disconcerting. Yeah. And it was also just kind of like, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it in a bit. So let's uh, let's figure out (laughs) what Darby gets up to uh, a la baby Jessica at the bottom of this well. (laughs) Darby, having no intention of remaining a prisoner of the leprechauns, tricks the foolish leprechauns into opening the mountain for a fox hunt and escapes. King Brian tracks him down at home where Darby, ever the knowledgeable man, tricks the king into an all-night drinking game until the daytime when the leprechaun's powers are inert. Trapped, Brian grants Darby's first wish to stay by his side for the fortnight until he can figure out what's going on with his job and Katie. He takes Brian with him to run errands, returning to the gatehouse late at night. Michael tackles him, thinking he's a poacher, and sees only a rabbit upon looking in the bag. Darby carelessly wishes Michael could see the king using his second wish. Oh, 
Jarvio Gill is here. He's come. Come in, man. Come in. All right, your royal highness. So how is this leprechaun party any different from a ska concert? <laughs> it's a bunch of dudes all dressed kind of the same with weird hair, dance kicking. Tell me this isn't a Scott yeah. concert that Darby interrupts. Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous. I went to a Five Iron Frenzy concert not six, seven years ago, and I shit you not, it looked just like this leprechaun party, and the music sounded all but similar. The leprechauns were like, hey, you fell into this well. You can't leave, but you're fine to stay here. Like, no big deal. No, no, no. I think we're, what we're meant to believe is that the the horse itself color horse knocking him into the well yeah. was all part of the king's plan because Padrig Padrig yeah. Phaedra, Phaedra from Real Housewives said hey we heard Darby got fired and the king said well we've we've had so much fun over the years yeah as is evidenced by the Vaseline flashback which is not the same thing in the context of this podcast as it is in our uh, personal lives um they <laughs> <laughs> better watch what they're saying. I speak Gaelic too. No, you listen to me. No, you listen to me. Patrick Hogg was standing under the white thorn tree by the summer house when his lordship gave you the bad news today. And the moment I heard you were in trouble, I swore I'd take you out of it. And if you're the fine, decent man I think you are, you'll be showing me a little bit of gratitude. I am grateful. Then you can say goodbye to the tears and the troubles of the world outside. There's nothing but fun and diversion here. And I mean, truly, what's to stop Darby from just going Gulliver's Travels and smashing all these little dudes. I, mean, I guess he knew that they, he needed them in order to get out. And so his whole thing was to trick them with a song that lasted, I think, 37 minutes. Um, <laughs> and this whole month, there, there's was, no reason the Fox Hunt song needed to be that no, long. No, it was literally 16 an, bars repeated. It was so. So, so for long. about and the rest you, of act one. And then when you thought it was done and then it switched to a different part of the song and then kept going, yep. uh -huh. it was, it was absolutely As ridiculous. The leprechauns are dance kicking and pirouetting and jumping in their cups yeah. and circle jerking and whatever else. them are present when Darby arrives than are on horses when they leave for yeah. the fox hunt, which leads me to believe that half of them turned into horses for the other half to ride out because there's no Josh women in this society. Joshua. There's all kinds of gay fairy shit happening down this leprechaun hole. I, and I can't decide if I'm here for it. Or I not. didn't think about that at all. Well, and that's absolutely what happened. <laughs> Those leprechauns are riding each other. And then they turn into, I shit you not, 50 duck-sized horses. Yes. We, it, we found the source. We found the this source. This is where of, it came would from. Would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 50 duck-sized horses? It yeah. started with Darby O'Gill and the Little People's queer leprechaun circle jerk. <laughs> God. <laughs> we did it, everyone. Thank you for listening to Nonplus. Yeah, that's it for this show. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a good run. I just I also don't understand. He knew what he was doing about getting them to leave and then decides to take 
the longest amount of time to leave. Well, it's it's the hubris of greed. We have to get a little bit of that in every leprechaun story. For sure. But also, do his pockets just not work at all? Maybe it's the leprechaun magic. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe anything that was left in his pockets tore a hole out before he could. It's all about it's so it's all about balance and being literal with leprechauns. It's why you don't make deals. Why you don't make deals. And it's also why he keeps coming back to being a knowledgeable man and knowing so many of Brian's tricks. Yeah. Which honestly. Find something fucking better to do with your time, dude. I mean, what, what was there? There was no, there's no porn. There's no like. He's already spending all of his time down at the bar spinning yarns for his friends. I'm getting dad flashbacks, yeah. if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> a drunk old man telling lies at a bar. Dad, is that you? I need $5 for the crane machine. I just, I don't understand. So what was the fact that he escaped? They were like. They needed to take him back. Was that the idea? Yeah. So effectively, Brian feels that he's been uh, made a fool of in front of his people because he, the king of the leprechauns, has himself been tricked. Yeah. And now he's got to go and get his quarry. And despite his very faithful men doing all of these other things for him, I guess they'll kill him if he is uh, done over by or something. I don't know. Uh, it's it's probably a bit of Irish lore that we're missing either yeah. because we're not Irish or we haven't read these books. The friends that I have who have like legit Irish blood relatives. It, oh, you, oh yeah. Fairies. Grandma, my, my grandma used to this, that, and the other thing. Like it's, it's literally just shit that they learned growing up. Yeah. Um, in the same way that I, we learned, I say we, I don't know. We haven't had these conversations, but the same way I learned about tooth fairy, boogeyman, Santa Claus, etc. Irish folks are all about, the fey folk and the leprechauns and the and the and the tay in the way to mm. quote nell which has nothing to do with <laughs> leprechauns at all oh nell <laughs> he ends up back at that stable so darby's gonna trick him again yeah this time with a drinking game about a rhyming song the wishing song Oh, I wish I had time to sing you a song, but when I get started, I sing all night long. <laughs> Can you put a rhyme to that? Try me. Go on then. Oh, singing's no sin, and drinking's no crime. If you have one drink only, just one at a time. <laughs> now. Of the things in this movie I find terrible, mm -hmm. this is the least of those. On the surface, the idea of getting drunk and with a group, creating a song that just keeps going until you're either bored or, or you pass out. That's basically what we do on Quiplash. I mean, <laughs> basically. One of my favorite ones was uh, rhyming McCluskey with Wusky. Instead of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish I was married to old widow Tony. She's ugly as sin, but has beautiful money. <laughs> I Multiple times during the song, I went, uh-oh, expecting it to take a left turn. I expected money to get rhymed with cunny. Yeah. Which is an old, a ye oldie uh, synonym for um, charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. That's kind of fun to say, though, Cunny. Yes, and rhymes with money. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I feel like there's probably versions of these limericks that are much worse, but much better, much better, much um, better, much better. <laughs> <laughs> he tricks him with this drinking game so that. He stays up until the daytime because apparently, as everyone knows, leprechauns, leprechauns have no magic, magic during the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
yeah it's it I, <laughs> again there are things that are like that just happen and it's just like no this is just the way things are that you just sort of have to accept in this movie yeah. and it is uh and now this judgmental laborious. horse which is continually terrifying is the most <laughs> identifiable character in the film because it lays down in disgust at what's happening and then starts snoring and then which starts snoring which just honestly ridiculous. after a night of whiskey similar yeah. similar so Brian gets there, the sun comes up, his his magic is inert, and Darby still can't do anything to, to trap or whatever. And so engages his cat, Ginger, whereupon the effects <laughs> take me out of it a bit. Because, oh, to be the person in the giant claw cat suit <laughs> batting at this actor... <laughs> Who, by all accounts of his performances while getting drunk, was the tongue double for Jabba the Hutt. Oh that guy, God. that was, it, like, let me drink this bucket full of booze, A. And let me, all over it, B. Yeah. Um, And then get threatened by a cat that, like, the cutaway for it is just, mwah, it's oh so fucking delightful. Um, But it, the movie keeps finding new ways to terrorize me. And the King Brian puppet is the latest at this point. So Darby goes to grab King Brian. After calling him a witted old scut. You can have as many as you like. So that's good of you. Three wishes I grant you. Big wishes and small. But if you wish a fourth, you'll get none at all. <laughs> what a memory you've got, you wicked old scut. <laughs> but before I make a wish, I'll have to talk with Katie. It cuts to his hand which is like this pasty, like really gross looking hand grabbing King Brian. And then it cuts to a lifeless rag doll of King Brian that then gets stuffed into a bag. It is terrifying. The fake hand is terrifying. The, the Brian doll is terrifying. And I'm going to have dreams of both terrorizing me in my sleep. Yeah. Truly. Like there's no other way around it. And I'm just already preparing myself for that. If I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. So the next morning, Katie, all, all smiles and polite. Oh, did you sleep? Well, I seriously have expected him to be like, Oh, I, after the blow you gave me, I slept on right wink. My God. <laughs> Good morning. Did you sleep well? I did. Thank you. Where's Darby? His bed hasn't been slept in, but he'll turn up. I got it from something he said last night that he might uh, capture the leprechaun. <laughs> he has great games with them. When he's taken a drop too many. He's not a drinking man. He's a lonely man since my mother died. Sean Connery's acting in this is just so weird and so disjointed. Part of it feels good enough. And the rest of it also feels like this is the first time that he's reading the script. I mean, you're not far off. He's only five years into acting at this point. But I say that he's done six films by the time he's done Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Sure. But like he was an extra and whatever. So he was probably like, you know, like this was (laughs) Walt Disney said, you're hot. You can talk. Get in there. Exactly. I don't care that you're Irish. It's all the same. <laughs> Literally the one. The Sean, movie- your name's Sean. You're Irish enough. Yeah. He was credited as second welder in one of the movies he did before <laughs> then. So, I mean, you know, looked at for his acting chops yet. Meanwhile, why does Katie go around telling the company that her dad is broke while he's trying to marry her off to this dark Irish bastard? Like, where does she get off? And fucking brings down the mood. Truly. Like it was. It was Everybody's like, having girl. a great time about leprechauns and she's just like finger wagging about the powers of darkness. Why would he want to work for you? You haven't one shilling to rub against the other. Katie, my dear, there's been a change in our fortunes. 
for the better. I'm thinking of buying the manor house for myself and shifting you out of here into surroundings more in keeping with your charm and beauty. Well, I wouldn't want to live in the manor house. And you know as well as I do, his lordship would never sell it. What do you want? You've only got to name it. I don't want anything now. Sit down. I suppose you don't want to hear about the great battle I fought with the powers of darkness. I do not. Now sit down and eat your stirabout. Well, and uh, my last note before we move on truly is I thought that that wasn't Sean Connery singing, but upon further investigation, I think it actually is Sean Connery singing. It is. It's definitely lip synced, which is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's poorly dubbed. It's poorly dubbed. He, like somebody was clapping to keep time for RuPaul. <laughs> RuPaul uh, turning in her grave. Wait, <laughs> she's not dead, right? RuPaul turning in her back to tank. <laughs> Have you ever seen the seagulls flying over heaven? All the crimson sails and go with it. The fishermen on Oh, the earth is filled with beauty, and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she's my dear, my darling one. Back to the bar, though. Mm-hmm. Um, Darby's trying to prove that he's got this leprechaun with him, and they put that little thing of whiskey into that bag, and then it comes out empty. And everyone's baffled and befuddled. Darby just cheated you out of a shot of whiskey. I don't give a shit what anybody said. That. And then she's like, the bartender takes down a, a bottle off of the shelf and then puts the glass up there and then points to it. And is like, if anybody ever doesn't believe that we had a leprechaun drink a whiskey in here, I'll point to this glass. Did you see that? I saw it with my own two eyes. Give me the glass, Tom. That's a story we'll bear repeating. And if any man doubts the truth of it, there's the very same glass. Which couldn't be anything else at all. This empty whiskey. Look, that's the one. See, that's that gla- You see that glass right there? It's got all the <laughs> dust on it. I don't know why I'm going fucking... Um, <laughs> southern with that but it's just nonsense it is so yeah uh, michael thinks darby's a poacher this is where we get the the part with him wasting the wish because yeah i mean even though nothing is done like he can see him it's just he can't see the true him whatever yakety schmackety now go on make yourself visible to him but i am visible to him you wished he should see me and see me he does he sees me as a rabbit you're a cheat and you're a liar don't tell me you can't hear him. I'm afraid I can't. What's the world coming to? Again, more leprechaun blarney nonsense, and I'm just ready to move on. Yeah. <laughs> you ready? Let's do it. Brian warns Darby that he's taking too long with his wishes, and Darby admits he's having trouble because he wants Katie's future to be secure. Without charging a wish, King Brian promises to help and visits both the youths in their sleep to encourage a courtship. After a flirtatious and eventful day together, including a run-in with the town bully and spaghetti western also-ran pony Sugru, Michael insists Katie not interfere with his toxic masculinity. King Brian, spying on the flirtations with Darby, dances a jig in anticipation of the final wish, but Darby won't wish on a Sunday. 
While a crowd gathers the next day to hear the final wish at the pub, Widow Sheila spoils Katie on the news of her father's firing and their pending eviction, while goading Pody into taking out Michael for both the job and Katie, who angrily confronts Michael about the news. Michael blames Darby for the deception and tries to propose, but Katie refuses and barges into the pub before Darby can make his final wish, accidentally releasing the king. Darby chases after the leprechaun disguised as a rabbit to the jeers of Pony and his nameless bros. So was it a requirement that you had like a sound of music or Little House on the Prairie moment where you run through a field? I mean, you've just listed two properties where in that that sort of and that even those two properties span 30 years. Yeah. So, yes. To answer your question, film student, yes. I guess that's true. Brian is threatening to abduct a woman. Yeah. Like, straight up, Brian is threatening to abduct a woman. Uh, And then at at one point, one of them says, Blatherskythe. We were happy here, the two of us. But when I catch her dancing and whirly-gigging with the drunken Blatherskythe like Pony Sugru, well, I don't know it at all. Uh, She needs to settle her mind on a good, steady lad with temperate ways. That she does. What if she found such a lad and fell in love with him, and he with her? Would you wish your wish then? I would. Good. Now go to bed, have a good sleep, leave all to me. Put your mind at rest. And again, I'm taken right out because all I can think of is Gizmo Duck. <laughs> yes. Blathering <laughs> Blatherskite. like literally we could we could like super cut just all of these uh, uh, fucking irishisms that happen i mean it is it is nonsense how much i just didn't understand even Even if i subtitles even if i wasn't making fun of them there would seem like an overabundance in this very irish movie for sure um but this whole scene of this two foot tall creepy old man visiting these young people in their sleep yeah (laughs) is uh, again the latest thing that terrifies me um but as he's trying to convince uh michael to you know court katie how does she concern you she's the one that's keeping me here darby won't wish any more wishes until his girl is pleased well what can i do about it marry her and you can all live here as happy as three peas in a pod oh i hardly know the girl one look at her and you'll know her She's a nice girl, and I like her, but... Good. The next Sunday after Mass, take her up to the ruins on the top of Naknashiga. Tis a fine romantic view from there. Just looking down will make any girl so dizzy, she'll fall into your arms. He's like, well, what What can I do about it? I just half expected the le- leprechaun to turn around and be like, why, you could fuck her senseless. Next Sunday after Mass, do it around the parish godhouse, and you'll wife her up good. My God. <laughs> Because, yes, that's exactly what they was going on there, this whole old leprechaun trying to set up these two young and there's this alternate people that have known each other for a day, a day, one day. And, she, and Katie makes that point and they keep raising her up a bit to like as a strut. She's she's almost a bell figure in yeah. terms of like Beauty and the Beast. She's independent and strong and she's been doing her father's work and all of this, that and the other thing. Mm-hmm. But she's also belittled for some of those same things at least by the widow Sheila to wit Brian all but 
calls her a gross old whore if she just flirts with men and stays single at age 30. Again, it's just like, and I'm not editorializing. He literally leaves the ellipsis there and disappears before she can smack him in her sleep. Rightfully so. So (laughs) goodness. You know, when a girl is 20, her boy will marry her up in a minute. But when she's 30, doesn't she have a time trying to make him say the hard word? Well, let me court you first. Court you, is it? And marriage the bone and sinew of the country? What would you call a girl who'd keep her lad dangling through pure selfishness or sinful dalliance? I know what I'd call her. I'd call her... I... Because he says, but you know that marriage is the bone and sinew of the country because... We have to make all these Irish babies to knock off the English. But also there's that because, you know, the leprechauns are dark and evil. There's that weird dichotomy of uh, sanctimonious religious following. Yeah. But also weird Celtic uh, folklore literally Mm -hmm. intertwined. Like I think you could probably write a long, if not mildly compelling grad paper about the connection (laughs) between the various saints and the types of fairies. Truly. Yeah, no, for sure. And like towing that line the entire time where it's it's sort of making fun of Catholicism, but then also making fun of the folklore is yeah. just it's because he's literally telling her, no, 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 don't waste time. Yes, you've only known him a yeah. day, but you need to get married before you do something sinful, you dirty fucking whore. Exactly. Because when <laughs> you hit 30, you're not going to be able to find anyone. And he even uses the word sin. But again, like he's a leprechaun. He's not. What does he know about sin? <laughs> The, the the priest, when he's questioning Darby about the leprechaun in the bag, gets mm-hmm. again very gloom and doom about dark powers and whatever. For sure. And this old bitty is showing everybody's My- Michael's mail. My, okay. Yeah, that was, when I was, when that was happening, this, this conniving old woman going yes. through the mail and, and even the mail lady, don't you guys have things better to do? Like, don't you have more things like get the... There's a lot no, of mail there. Actually, no, because that's a fucking trope in like English sitcoms and stuff yeah. is that the woman who runs the dairy, which is also the local post office, knows everybody's business. Like even in oh, like like okay. like the old Agatha Christie murder mysteries, like this is a very tropey. There's a little bit of that in even like New Zealand TV dramas and Australian yeah. TV dramas. <laughs> but like that didn't take me out so much as her full on gossiping with this. Well, I mean, I guess that is also on brand with old Irish biddies. <laughs> Jesus, I'm going to lose them all. I'm going to lose them all by the end of this episode, but we're glad we, you, you stayed on long enough because she even admits to knowing the Lord's hand, except she says it in an interesting way. Old fool. Indeed. It's making too free with them. Darby's. When you sup with the devil, you need a long spoon. I'm American. Nor a Cassidy son. Ah, uh, there'll be money in that. The tales, Mrs. O'Toole. Right, you are, Pony. Michael McBride, Red Cullen. That's from the Lord Fitzpatrick. I know his fist anywhere. Look at the arrogant swirls and all. She would know his fist anywhere. She Girl. is intimately involved with his fist. Yeah. She knows how it curls. How it... <sighs> it it's just... She knows every gesture, every knuckle, every hair, every cuticle. <laughs> you know, behind every cuticle is a yeah. <laughs> also, in yeah, with the widow, uh, the widow Shigan Shugan, Mary Malone, whatever her name is, the old biddy. She is trying to start fights. She doesn't give a shit about Katie, and I'm ex- still expecting her to show up at somebody's window with a poison apple. Exactly, uh, and I all and I other than like by trying to give 
her son, like get her son a job or whatever this is like trimming fucking hedges. Like, well, and maintaining the Lord's manor, which is effectively uh, what Mr. Darby was. Saying. And again, he's like the gatehouse is a place of prestige. All of this is explained. Sure. But like she, it's just she's in the background doing the worst kind of machinations. But maybe, maybe go focus on like getting him to do better. Focus on, uh, you know, I not don't know. beating up I- anyone. Clearly, she raised him to be an asshole. Pretty much. Well, I mean, you know, they don't fall far from the tree. Well, and why haven't both of them been run out at this point? That's exactly. my question. They should both be run out of it because nobody likes them. Nobody no likes either. <laughs> no one. Oh, she. Yeah, well, give her a little bit of tea. You're encouraging her behavior, Katie. Yeah, she's a stray. And you just need to shoo her off your goddamn porch. She exactly. can get her own tea. You ready to finish this out? Let's do it. Back at the estate, Michael again violently grabs Katie, who runs off to find a horse. Michael tries to follow, but is ambushed by Pony, who clobbers the surprised Michael and sets him up to look like a drunk on Lord Fitzpatrick's porch. Darby finds Michael, and the men go off towards Nakmashiga in search of Katie and the horse, who is apparently a puka. The men find her on a cliff beneath the puka slash horse, where Darby fends off a banshee coming to claim her. The men bring Katie home, but are followed by the Banshee, who signals the coming of the Death Coach to claim her soul. Darby uses his final wish to take Katie's place in the coach, where Brian appears to console Darby, letting him know that Katie's fever has healed. Darby, pleased and distracted, is then tricked by King Brian once again into making a fourth wish, nullifying the others and returning Darby to life, i.e. kicked out of the Death Coach and into the mud of the street. The movie closes as Michael and Katie sing happily together and ride off kissing in a wagon as a smiling Darby drives towards Nakanashiga. Where's Katie? She's gone after the horse. Did you let her go alone in the dark of the night? She was in a tearing rage at me. And sure it was your fault for not telling her the truth in the first place. God forgive me, she'll be chasing a pooka. Banshee. Maybe it's just the wind. It's the wail of the Banshee. The same as I heard the night that Katie's mother was taken. She'll be destroyed entirely. I feel like Banshees were created by women who liked fucking in the woods at night and wanted to be as loud as possible and not be disturbed. Okay. <laughs> I, I know that you said this word Banshee. We have not talked or heard the word Banshee up until this fucking moment of the last part of the movie. What? Same with Puka. We don't know that that horse, we just up to this point only understand the horse to have been enchanted by King Brian. Yes. Not that it is itself a, a creature of Irish folklore that leads people astray on the bogs at night or whatever it is Puka does. Why not get rid of the horse when it happens the first time? Yeah. I, I you know. know what I mean? It's one of those things where like Banshee is kind of just a folklore. If you're talking about Irish folklore and Irish supernatural sure. stuff, you assume Banshees are possible, I guess. But then... There's this whole story about that's how his wife died was because of a banshee. And this is the first time that we're hearing of it when another banshee is or a banshee is there trying to claim the the uh, Katie who is dead on a cliff. And fuck this banshee right in the hood. It's absolutely too much. I could. (laughs) It was. I could not. The hand she's doing that. Keep away from her. brushing the hair and wailing and like there's just all sorts of stuff. He throws a lantern at her and I guess that works, but not really. 
<laughs> because she's right there at the house when they finally get her back to the house. Yeah. Clearly fire doesn't banish a banshee nor does throw in a hoe. Cause he tries that too. It's just so weird. I thought going back up to the top, we were going to get back into the well. We were going to go back to that. And like she was no. going to get kicked down or do something like that. No, no. Just off the side of the cliff and chased by a ghost who wants her soul. Exactly. Y- you know, that old chestnut. As, as you do. <laughs> But this all quickly comes to a head with a sort of font of additional Irish lore, because even a, 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 apparently even a leprechaun's powers are limited to some degree because he can't keep the coach from coming and he can't restore Katie to life. It's coming for Katie. Send it away. But it's not within my powers, man. Once it sets out, it can never return empty. Then give me my third wish and let it take me instead. You don't know what you're asking for. You promised. Don't break your word. Darby O'Gill, never in me barn days. Give me me third wish. More's the pity. Granted. But he can trick Brian into the fourth wish and thus nullify the magic that got Brian into the coach in the first place. Well, I mean, it's nullifying all of the wishes that he had made up to that point. So theoretically, all of that would have just been reverted. Which is why he gets kicked. And I guess the coach was still on the ground, even though we clearly saw it coming through the sky. Because I yeah. thought for sure he was going to die when he, he hit the pavement. Get kicked out and then die. Like, yeah. And I also I, I thought that this was a good place to end the movie. Um, They didn't. It continued. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> It fucking kept going. It fucking kept going. We had to we had to get the implication of a nice Catholic wedding so yeah. that we could have some nice Catholic babies. And then also finish it with another terrible lip sync. I mean, we do get this this fun little like fight choreo bit at the end when Michael shows up at the pub to Oh yeah. to send Pony off, who's apparently finally decided to move. So now Michael shows up to give him what for when he's leaving. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like they had to film the reaction shots separately because, and only after they realized the fight scene itself was too short. Yeah. Because these faces that Dobby is making Darby, Darby, not Dobby, this, the house elf. No, unfortunately we're all imprisoned by Darby in this scenario. Pretty much. He said that you should take the consequences. What consequences? Indeed, that's what I asked his majesty. And you know what he said? He said, if I were you, I'd cloak the blackguard in the face. faces that he's making imagine those sounds but associated with a face but he's not making those sounds it just was so weird and they were on those shots for so So long long. yeah i uh i got nothing this this and look it was tighter than i thought it would be that's what he said yet still super confusing yeah we didn't have any budget information on None. this one. It was a it was a while ago, so no worries there. But Rotten Tomatoes has given this a 100%. I think this is our first 100% score, and it's based on a handful of, based on 15 reviews. With a grade of 7 out of 10. Uh, by the users. So it's only 77% by the users. But look how young Katie looks like here. She does look so young. And there. Sean Connery, as you said, looking 40-year-old. So this makes this movie look even worse than it actually is. 
At any rate, H.A.H. Weller at some point from the New York Times said, an overpoweringly charming concoction of standard Gaelic tall stories, fantasy, and romance. And gave it 3.5 out of 5. Sure. So, uh, but again, I think that might even be an older review that's just been republished as of 2006. Sure. And then we had Marjorie uh, Baumgarten. Baumgarten from the Austin Chronicle saying, No one believes a man known for spitting tales full of Blarney when he indeed befriends the king of the leprechaun. Yeah. That, yeah, that's just a summary. Who cares? Who cares, Rotten Tomatoes? That said, uh, we've got two super reviewers. Super reviewers. Uh, one in August of 2020 and one in April of 2012. Okay, what did Michael say? Michael M. gave it four and a half stars in August of 2020. An absolute delight of a film, utterly and in, in, utterly and enchanting. Sure. First off, besides some weirdly bad lip syncing near the end, <laughs> the effects in this are incredible. Yeah, every once in a while there will be something a little dated, but for the most part, what you see here is as good, if not better, than what you'd see with CGI nowadays. 2020. It's incredible, immersive, and adds to the pure charm of the movie. As to the story, is oh my god, there's so much more to this review. Yeah. Michael M had lots to say. Ooh, so did Jason V. Yeah. But J- this, this. Jason V gave it two out of five stars. I feel like at some point we should dive into this. He <laughs> said, uh, inconsequential Disney. Darby O'Gill doesn't come up in any list of Disney classics or fondly remembered films from the studio. Why? It's a fantasy designed to cash in on the culture uh, instead of telling a quality story. The biggest hurdle for the family audience is the thick accents of the main cast. While somewhat plotting story tends to be uh, an issue as well. It's not a badly made movie. It's just meh. The forced perspective shots of the leprechauns though is a treat, (laughs) which I mean, you know what? Uh, This sounds like a summary of our episode of the podcast, of the show. (laughs) Exactly. You know, uh, uh, and you know, (laughs) Monroe won the 1960 Golden Globe for New Star of the Year Award oh. for her performance in this film. So well, good for her. Good for her. Um, but yeah, Disney conceived of the film during a trip to Ireland with the Irish Folklore <laughs> Commission in 1947. So, I mean, you can say derisively that it was a cash cow on the culture, but it sounds like the Irish Folklore Commission was all on board. Uh, he took a second trip in 1956 and announced a new film that October. The Three Wishes of Darby O'Gill, based on Kavanaugh's 1903 book, Darby O'Gill and the Good People, um, retaining Watkin as a writer. Um, and apparently he studied Gaelic folklore for three months at the Dublin Library. Okay. I mean, other than just being like, hey, I want to go on vacation and want to make it a tax write-off, I guess that's what this is. I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, during casting in London in uh, 58, the film's title switched to Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Honestly, I feel like from what, and again, this is secondary at best, tertiary, most likely information about Irish folklore and how families embrace it. I feel sure. like, I mean, again, the Irish Folklore Commission was on board. Probably most Irish folks are too. Yeah. They jo- don't- Job, however, was not on board. <laughs> uh, I didn't like it. I really didn't. This was, this was very just really like watching. It was just laborious. And I was just like, this is, this is kind of, it's the first time this felt like work in a while. Yeah. A little bit. And, and (laughs) you know, I go back and I think about luck of the Irish that we watched last year. um, Uh And uh, I think I liked that better than I liked this, which I didn't like luck of the Irish. 
You but, heard it here, but folks. at least luck of or luck of the Irish had Lagoon in it. It did. You're right. It yeah. did. The Six Flags theme park that used to exist in Houston, Astro World, mm-hmm. when I was a wee lad, yeah, I feel like it was on my first visit, had some sort of like kids fantasy walkthrough experience where okay. you could interact with a little leprechaun that I swear to God was taken from <laughs> this film. I mean, maybe. Because it was that odd force perspective. It's projected on a piece of glass among all these gold coins yeah. sort of situation. I, I, every time that little dude danced a jig, I had horrid flashbacks to my first trip <laughs> to Astroworld and in my head in those rocks and seeing this little man, Jabba the Hutt tongue, dancing like a fucking like a blathering blatherskite, if you will. Yeah. All right, Clancy, where can they find us on social media? Um, they will. They can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at nonplusspod. Yeah. Um, you can go to nonplusspod.mischiefmedia.com for our website. Like we said, mischief merch up at the top. Patreon.com slash making mischief. Yep. For bonus content from all across the Mischief Media Network. Shows like Pottercast and... Uh, extraneous, his dark materials, roll nine and three quarters, roll nine and three quarters. Yeah. So much fun all across the platform. Plus extra content there on Patreon as well. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, follow, like whatever on your podcast player of preference. We love that. (laughs) So drained. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mind doing it, but this one definitely was a little bit of work. (laughs) And with that, uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day, listener. (laughs) That over there is my husband, Clancy. And over there is my husband, Josh. We are, in fact, nonplus. Look, I just... Eh, meh. I'm calling an ambulance. I think my husband is having a seizure. And here, I just wanted her to roll over in her sleep and mistake Brian for her personal massager. Yeah. It... Clancy, that was a vibrator joke and you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I I wasted my best material. I know. I, was... I should have noticed you were looking down and waited for you. Do you want to do it again? No. Okay. Because it's only funny when it's funny. <laughs> and remember to get 15% off your first loot crate order. Click our very special link in the episode description and use code nonplussed at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Get your geek in the box. What? Geek in the box, girl. You're going to get us into trouble. I'll get to that. Oh.